0: Edwards pulls up, and buries a three to give the Devils the lane for the first time. History in the making. It's over, number one goes down in Tempe. Again. Plummer in trouble, steps away, cuts free, breaks loose, five, touchdown, Sun Devils. The Snake does it again. This team won't die. You can cut a snake's head off, but he continues to live. All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Sparky Talks here on the pod. We have another episode here for you. A little bit of a a summer update um, as we kind of shift between sports here. And first thing that we're going to kind of go over is recruiting. But before we do that, I want to make sure that we give Caleb his time here. So Caleb, what's up, man? Good to have you back for another episode here.
1: Yeah, appreciate
0: it. All right, so after we wrapped up last episode, of course this happened. You know, we said that we were fairly certain that the five guys ASU had coming in for basketball next next year were going to be our guys. And, of course, about a week or so after we upload that podcast, news starts rolling out that this Khalid Thomas is coming up and he's picking between Oregon and ASU. He ends up choosing ASU so of course we're gonna to have to add this in and talk a little bit about this and update our recruiting episode so let's go ahead and get right into it he uh Khalid Thomas is a JUCO transfer he's again a top five JUCO transfer in the nation he he was a four star coming out of high school he is a six foot nine four that is able to ex- kind of uh, expand the floor for us and Caleb what are your first thoughts uh, on this guy
1: uh, well, my first thoughts, if you look at the other teams that were recruiting him, uh, that that's usually like a good indicator. University of Arizona, Baylor, Texas Tech, Florida State, uh, West Virginia, Oregon. Like, there's some really solid teams that wanted this guy. Um, and he had originally committed to Texas Tech, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but, I mean, just looking at that alone, you know that, uh, you know, A lot of teams thought that this guy was really solid and definitely worth their time, worth a roster spot. Um, But yeah, I think it's awesome. The guy's a good outside shooter. Uh, He's got good size. And I I think that's uh, one of the... uh, I think the biggest highlight is his outside shooting. For a big, that's really going to be useful for Arizona State to have a big that can stretch the floor like that.
0: Yeah, he's definitely a guy. You know, as I watched a, a couple of his highlight uh, videos on YouTube, that was definitely something that kind of stuck out to me was his outside shooting, guy that can really pull up from any distance and has a really clean shot. And for a guy that's six foot nine, that's that's awesome. That some you know a guy of that length is able to stretch the full floor like that. He's really explosive. Um, he has you know, good ability to drive to the hoop. He he has a, a good inside presence as well, so it's not like just a big guy that sits outside. It's a guy that can go underneath as well. And, yeah, he's just he, almost he. what he kind of reminded me of was kind of a, a Zylan Cheatham that could that could shoot really well. And, you know, a guy that, you know, is not going to play that center position. I think he's going to play a lot of minutes with um, Ramella White on the floor. And I can I can see those two kind of, doing a lot of damage there um, with, with their size and, and stuff. So I'm a, I'm a really big fan of this guy, and I'm excited to see what he can do for us.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I think it was uh, when I was looking at our roster as far as who would start, I mean, with Dort leaving and then uh, Cheatham leaving, I think the four spot, we are kind of wondering who would fill in there, probably thinking that Cherry would. But I see this guy. someone like, hey, if he can stretch the floor, if he can rebound the ball, and uh, if he can, you know, do some inside scoring, I, it, it, crazy as it sounds, I could actually see this guy starting. If he, if he comes over and meshes well, I could see him starting. Uh, if uh, all goes well for him, yeah. So I'm... I think that's like a really optimistic part of it, is just that this guy has potential not just to be a contributor, but to be a starter.
0: Yeah, I I totally agree. I'm you know we were all thinking Tayshon Cherry was going to be you know one of the starters next year, and something we had talked talked about in, in a previous episode was that he has really good. He's a really good outside shooter, but needs to kind of round out his game. And looking at this guy's stats and stuff, he's got that outside shot, and he's already got that kind of inside game. And so it'll be interesting to see kind of who who takes that spot between those two. You know, I can definitely see this guy coming in, and and like you said, not only just contributing and providing an impact, but taking a, a starting role from somebody.
1: Yeah, I, I think it, I think it'll breed good competition, hopefully, and uh, uh, maybe bring out the best in Cherry. Uh, hopefully, to have someone now him knowing that there is someone that could p- potentially play that position, the starting lineup, shoot from the outside. Um, he knows he's going to have to work really hard to make sure that if he wants minutes, he's got to play hard for him. Uh, so I, I, I see this as a not <laughs> to say, I see this as an absolute win. Um, I just, uh, overall, I think it, it, it's going to be really good, not just for the team, but, uh, I think especially for taste on, taste on cherry, this could be good. Um, I think it'll help him take a huge step going into next season we needed him to take a big step but now at this point i think with this competition coming in uh i think this could bring out uh, a better side of cherry
0: yeah and you know he's already he's shown last year he's a super competitive guy guy that can get a little bit fiery and we talked at length last episode so if you guys haven't checked out Our recruiting episode we kind of detail all of the kind of the other five guys that we have coming in and how they fit into our remaining roster and you know who's going to get playing time and who's going to start and you know all of our predictions like that and one thing we kind of touched on big last time was that this roster is huge right now and there's going to be guys that aren't going to be able to play and you know college basketball teams usually roll with eight nine ten man rosters ten is on on the large side and we have 11, 12 guys that are all have shown abilities to play and with the recruits coming. And so this is definitely one of those things where I think everyone's going to benefit coming out of it from the first tip off in that first game is this offseason. It's going to be really interesting to see who takes that next step and, you know, who kind of falls off and, and isn't able to keep up. And, you know, it's we're still too far out to kind of – you really see who's going to start and who's really going to be a a good contributor off the bench. But at this point in time, this is only a good, this is a good thing for ASU to have all these guys coming. This is a good problem to have. You know, I was my kind of worry after this last season with after Dort said he was going to the NBA was oh my goodness, who's going to start and like, what kind of holes are we going to have to fill and stuff? And I think Bobby Hurley and staff has done an excellent job filling in with our, our recruits this year, filling in the holes that we kind of have left. And we all got guys that here that are gonna be able to play, have, have experience. ASU is now number 18 in the national class recruiting this year. And they are the number one JUCO class, uh, transfer com- class coming in. So we obviously have guys that have experience that are coming in, guys that from last year, our returning core is there. I'm excited to see who's gonna actually end up playing. This is this is exciting, Caleb.
1: Yeah, it's it's a really exciting time. I I, I feel like there's so much depth, especially at the bigs uh, uh, with our bigs now. Um, a lot of guys that could play minutes, and that's something we haven't had. So, all in all, it's uh, the season's looking to be really interesting next year. We uh, we both I think had some worries going into next year losing. Uh, Dort and Cheatham but I'm, uh, I'm feeling pretty good uh, after uh, with this recruiting class and these transfers that have come in I, I'm feeling pretty good going into next year I'm pretty excited to see how it, how it pans out. What is up Sun Devil fans? This is Caleb Braley and I am coming at you in this segment with some of the latest news on our former Devils, Lou Dort and Xylan Cheatham. Just a bit of info about uh, the NBA Draft which is coming up in just a couple weeks. So, got some exciting stuff to talk about with these guys. So, first off we'll talk about Lou Dort. So, Lou Dort, as of right now, they're projecting him to be going... In the later first round, uh, possibly early second round, so about in the 20 to 40 range, uh, basically between pick 20 and pick 40 is where they're thinking. I don't think he'll go as early as 20, and I don't think he'll go as late as 40, but somewhere in between there. Um, so we obviously know him pretty well. These are uh, this is what teams are gathering. On him, based on his workouts with these several NBA teams, they're saying kind of what we already know. He's got uh, just the ideal body for an NBA uh, player. Uh, every single athletic, uh, athletically oriented workout that he did, he just killed it at. He was one of the quickest guys. Uh, at the bench press, he apparently really uh, shocked some guys with how strong he was and so we know those things that just athletically he's an incredible player and another thing that uh, some scouts are saying that they're really fond of about him is the fact that in the Sun Devils offense Lou Dort was running a lot of screen and roll action and basically the two guys that were setting that up there was Remy Martin then there was Lou Dort so Uh, he was able to pretty much run an offense playing at the two-guard position. He also has a body where he can play at the three in the NBA. So he's a guy you can play at a few different spots. He can guard multiple positions on the perimeter. And you know he can actually uh, run an offense uh, here and there, run a screen and roll. So that's something that they really like about him. And obviously some concerns. that Someone broke down the statistics on him. and In the half court, he was uh I mean his statistics were pretty miserable his uh his three point shooting we know is not very good but his uh his shots around the basket were below average uh as far as his shooting percentages go um in transition they were really good when he was pushing the fast break you know it feels like a one on one but in the half court he would force a lot of really tough contested shots around the rim so he shot at a really really low percentage uh, well, for a guy who's trying to make it to the NBA, NBA at least. Um, so that was one concern they raised, is that he tries to play volleyball, ball, which worked against some college teams, but it's definitely not going to work against NBA teams because most guys... Uh, he's no longer uh, an athletic specimen once he gets to the NBA. There are a bunch of athletic freaks. They're a bunch of guys that are huge. Um, just thinking of what uh, DeAndre Aiden coming out of U of A, they talked about how big he was. And then when you saw him on the NBA court for the first time, you thought, oh, this guy can actually bulk up a little bit compared to some of these guys out there. It's just, it's a different game, uh, totally different level. So those are some concerns that they have about Lou Dort. And, uh, because of his struggling with shooting, you know, he's not an elite ball handler. He, uh, They said that they understood from film that he could get over-aggressive on defense, but they kind of actually like that. Most scouts and coaches actually like that. It's obviously not ideal, but they'd rather a guy that uh, makes a mistake because he's playing too hard as opposed to a guy that doesn't care, that takes a back seat on defense. They like a guard that's willing to work really hard on the defensive end, not afraid to pick up some fouls or maybe look dumb on a play or two. Um, He's going to give it his all on defense. Um, so the guys that they're comparing him to, two comparisons I saw, they said he's almost like a bigger, uh, more athletically gifted Marcus Smart, which I can kind of see that, um, you know, I'm not a huge fan of Marcus Smart, but overall the comparison's pretty solid. Then the other guy they're comparing him to is Lance Stevenson. Lance Stevenson's a weird dude, but you know, he's had a good NBA career thus far, um, very unconventional player but I can see where they're coming from just as far as those are two guys that aren't great shooters Lance Stevenson can do some stuff with the ball but you don't want him with the ball in his hands constantly hopefully Lou Dort can be better than both of those guys I think he has potential to be much better than both but that's about what they're seeing him as right now they're looking at him going in the 20 to 40 range and uh talk about Zailin Cheatham real quick then I'll talk about what teams uh, are going to be around when these guys are going to be getting picked most likely So Zailin Cheatham um they're thinking he's going to go like you know if not the very end of the first round then it'll probably be second round or undrafted I doubt undrafted at this point because of how uh highly teams are praising Zailin Cheatham cuz they look at his defense his interior defense is good, his help defense. like he, he guards guys well in the post. He was a good shot blocker, at least helping uh, people to adjust their shots in mid-air, forcing misses around the basket. He was really good at that. Um, they know that he's a really good team player, that people just love Zylan Cheatham. Um, he's got a great work ethic. He's very vocal. Um, people just love having this guy in the locker room. And that's something that some teams do pay a lot of attention to. They don't want to bring in a guy that's total cancer, or maybe he's just a little quiet, or something like that. Zaylen Cheatham is a guy that's vocal. He's a leader. He uh, he's he's great for a locker room. And then he is a great rebounder. Really good, uh, really good motor. Guys just constantly going uh, at, at like a hundred miles an hour at everything, every loose ball, and um, so that's something that teams look at as those are some winning traits that he has that regardless of some of the cons that we'll talk about that they're seeing um, some of the, some of his intangibles are really going to uh, make teams think pretty highly of him. Um, so obviously it, we know his jump shot is not all the way there, but some teams have taken notice that it's significantly improved since he started in college um, at San Diego state when he basically had no jump shot His last season, he shot over 40% from the three-point line. I mean, it was on probably only like 30 attempts for the year, but um, still, he was able to knock some down. You kind of held your breath when he took his shots, but he actually made them at a high percentage. Um, And if you watch his pro day, uh, I believe it was in Los Angeles, he had his pro day. A lot of scouts were there to see that and he was draining threes his mechanics looked a lot better and overall i think he made a really good impression on the people there so his jumper is still a concern because you definitely can't uh you know base improvement entirely off of a guy shooting with no one guarding him in a gym that he prefers to work out in but it is something is his mechanics are better than they were a few years ago and uh with the hard worker that he's known to be i i can see it i can see him having a passable jump shot um maybe not right away but eventually in the league um then another con he he's only six eight and he's going to be playing the four most likely in the nba uh six eight's not not too short um but then, They also bring up... uh, He has a 7-foot wingspan, which is actually pretty good. And uh, it's not elite, but it's pretty good. The only downside is just that he's not an elite athlete. He's a good athlete, but he's not a freak athlete necessarily. So, like, you got Zion Williamson, who is similar in height to Zion Cheatham and his arms are a little bit shorter. But Zion Williamson, he's a great ball handler. He uh, is just a freak of nature athlete. Zalvin Cheatham's a good athlete. He's just not that. He's not a Zion Williamson type. Or, um, well, I'm going to get to that. (laughs) So some of the guys that they're comparing him to, which I didn't even see some of these player comparisons. I had already thought of some of these about uh, a couple weeks ago before he was working out for teams. One was Draymond Green. I see similarities between him and Draymond Green. And then the other is Pascal Siakam. I feel like he's built a little more like Pascal Siakam. Which, by the way, Pascal Siakam is just an inch taller, but he does have a few more inches to his wingspan. But um, all in all, they aren't too different as players. I think Siakam's a better shooter. Uh, slightly, well, yeah, at this point he's a much better shooter. But uh, coming to the, into the league, I don't think he's a significantly better shooter. Um but both are pretty similar. I think they see the Draymond comparison is mostly just because, they they see his defense, his work ethic, uh, how vocal he is, and how his how his uh, teammates feel about him, and they kind of see a little bit of Draymond in this guy, uh, in Zion. Um, and then someone else I thought of was Jeremy Grant, um, for the Oklahoma City Thunder, who also is built very similarly. Something interesting about these guys, they're all they were all picked in the range that Zion Cheatham was projected to go in. Uh Draymond Green went second round pick 5, Pascal Siakam first round pick 27, Jeremy Grant second round pick 9. So these guys were picked all around the time that uh, they're projecting Cheatham to go. So I think it is interesting that some of the guys I was thinking of as similar players are uh, they're picked around the range that they're thinking Cheatham will go. Uh, So I would prefer in these situations uh, if these guys were able to go late first round because late first round is typically the better teams, the teams that made the playoffs, that had winning records. Um, if If I could pick a team, I wouldn't mostly care for anyone late first round where they went because they're all really solid teams with the exception of the Cleveland Cavaliers who are there due to a trade. Um, I think it was with the Houston Rockets they have that pick. But uh, I'd be fine if either of them went to San Antonio, Golden State. Golden State's been known to draft guys late first round, early second round, and they've had great careers. Um, The Philadelphia 76ers, Utah Jazz. I mean, I'd be fine with any of those teams. Boston Celtics. And then the 76ers have a few picks in the second round, too, in the first five picks of the second round. So I could see Lou Dort going there, um, going to Philadelphia. Xylan Cheatham, they said, uh, the Spurs are a team very interested in him. And then another team is the Phoenix Suns, which I, I think he would be a good fit in Phoenix. That would be the second pick of the second round. I don't know if he'd go that early, but I would actually love him in Phoenix. I actually think he would fit in very well. And he's a, he, he you know, he's a, guy grew up in the valley big Suns fan himself which is still rare uh, even if you're from the valley so that's uh that that would be cool I think Phoenix would be a good spot for him I think San Antonio would be an ideal spot for him and then as far as Luke Dort goes uh, most teams I'd be fine with Um, of the likely teams I'd be very okay with Philadelphia I actually think he would play really well there um, uh, but there's still two weeks left till the draft. So I guess it remains to be seen what happens with all of these players uh, or with these players. Uh, some things could shake up. Some people could get injured or someone might just have a workout that blows someone's mind and they go much higher in the draft than projected. But I guess we'll see then. Uh, but for the time being, that is all that I have on Lou Dort and Xylan Cheatham. And that concludes that segment.
0: So next up on the podcast here, we're doing something a little bit different, talking ASU baseball for the first time here. And it's just gonna be me, just me on it this time. And uh, I might get a little ranty with it. I'm not sure, we'll see. But all right, let's just dive into a talk a little bit about ASU baseball. So if you haven't been caught up, ASU did make it to the playoffs this year. They did make it to a regional, they went to LSU. And they ended up losing to Southern Mississippi in the semifinals. Uh, they lost thirteen to twelve. Ended up blowing an eight-run lead that game. They were up ten to two at one point, and and ended up losing. Uh, so there is that. And kind of biggest thing, kind of killed them was in this game was they just ran out of pitchers. And this was kind of a a season-long trend. Something that they were concerned about. The beginning of the season ended up killing them. It's just just no depth at the at the pitcher role. Um, Boyd Vanderkoy, uh, who was our starter this game, went two and a th- uh, seven and two thirds innings. Played uh, pitched really well. Um, he has exited the game there in the eighth inning with two outs. Score was twelve to six. Two guys were on. ASU only needed to get four more outs. They're going to be on to the the regional final against LSU later that night. I mean, I was talking with my family, everybody seemed like this was a done deal, they were going to be playing LSU, but go ahead and hold your horses, because here's what went down. So, Vander comes out, Brady Corrigan comes in to pitch, first pitch from Brady is a home run, three run shot, makes it 12-9, uh, which is, okay, alright, that's fine, uh, it's still a three run lead, ends up getting that final, final out in the eighth inning, so go up to the ninth inning, bottom of the ninth now. Mississippi is back and batting. And Corrigan is still pitching here. First two guys get on base. So guys on first and second. All right, they pull him. They bring in Blake Burzell. Blake, he I believe he's 19 years old. I think he's a sophomore. Kid looked more rattled than a maraca out there. Guy's eyes were huge. He, you could tell that this... The game was too fast for him. Walks the first guy, loads the bases. All right, no out still. Ends up hitting the second uh, second batter he faces, scoring a run. So now it is 12 to 10. So they pull Bullzell, They bring in Chaz Montoya again. Bases are loaded. It's 12 to 10 now, and no outs. So Chaz gets uh, gets the first guy out on a sacrifice sacrifice fly. Guy scores in from third. So now it is 12-11, one out. Okay, next batter comes up. Guess what happens? He singles with guys on second and third, ending the game. It is now 13-12. to 12. Southern Mississippi walks off ASU. ASU season is now over. So if it wasn't for this, these guys that came in to pitch, things would have been a lot differently. And, and, you know, this is something I'm going to talk about here for the next couple minutes is pitching really was a concern coming into the season. We were – really low on pitchers to start the season we had some key transfers and dismissals out of the out of the season from a couple of players left the pitching staff razor thin this was a huge concern for the most part was able to kind of not make it an issue during the season especially there at the beginning but there were a couple games where the the bullpen came in and they were just unable to get the job done and ended up costing the devils and yeah, I, again, it's pretty ironic, and I think it's kind of fitting that a huge concern to begin the season is what ends up killing the Devils here at the end. So season in review, Devils finished 38-19 and 16-13 in conference play. Devils started 25-1 and to start the season, got up all the way to number three in the nation, and finished the season 13 and 18. So not great. Now, one thing I do want to touch on that 25 and one does sound really good, doesn't it? But out of those 26 games that they first played, not a single opponent they played made a regional in the postseason. Say that again. Out of the 26 games they played, every single opponent did not make the playoffs. So these these guys that ASU is playing are not good. And people are saying that like oh look the devils are back number 3 in the nation here we go tracy smith has got this team back where it needs to be we're back well then conference play picks up and they go 16 and 13 not great it is just not there you know it it was just i don't know what else to say it's once they started playing good opponents it was obviously clear that asu was not as good as that 25 and 1 start and it showed and you know i'm thinking after they lose in this awful fashion um this past weekend that i'm thinking all right tracy smith uh, who's the coach is out by friday of the next week you know he's done he did not show enough after this season you know now looking back on it tracy smith this was his fifth season and he has not shown anything with this with these devils missed the playoffs quite a few times here in the past couple years it hasn't been there and so ray anderson our ad gives him this this last year he's like hey gonna give you one more year you got to turn it around i don't call this turning this program around when you play a non-conference schedule like you did this year, where you're playing literally nobody of any sort of talent, that does not mean you've turned this program around. You finished 16 and 13 in conference play in a, a top-heavy Pac-12, where the bottom half isn't all that great. I'm I'm looking at it here like where is it, where is all this proof that he should be back for another year and here we go he's back for another year we had just we just found out the other day that Ray Anderson has extended Tracy Smith's contract for one more year and I don't I don't understand it because I don't think the results are there and I thought this was the year that he was going to turn it around and you know it's it's tough to see because this is like the number one program on campus this is we've won five national championships Countless College World Series appearances. And it's it's so tough to see that it has been nine years now since our last College World Series appearance. It's been nine years. 2010, when we beat Clemson in the Super Regional in Tempe, that was the last time we had made it to Omaha. I don't know, guys. It just doesn't seem... I I don't know if it's just that the way we lost that last game. You know, I was pretty... pretty positive out of this kind of lengthy season you know i was just like you know what they do look better but down the line you know they were playing better teams stanford ucla oregon state and they weren't really competing they were losing series. they weren't competing against the best and this is supposed to be one of the best teams in the pac-12 heck this is supposed to be one of the best teams in the nation We have the resources, we have the history, we have the recruiting power, and it's not getting done with Tracy Smith, and I do not understand why he's being brought back for another year. You know, you can say, I don't believe in this excuse, but you could say people are saying, you know, oh, well, the the roster was tiny this year, you know, you got those guys that were, that transferred out, that were dismissed from the program. Well, guess what? Tracy Smith, those were his guys that were being dismissed from the program. These guys, they said, oh, we got rid of a few, you know, bad eggs. Well, these were the bad eggs that you recruited. I I don't understand that. You can't use that as an excuse when it is your guys. I can totally see it if this is a new coach, you know, bringing in a different culture. You know, you want to get out the guys that aren't 100% in. Completely understand that. It's kind of like what's happening with uh, Herm Edwards in the football uh area of ASU roster is a little thin right now because there's a lot of guys that they have um, gotten out of the program because they're not their guys they are not hundred percent committed they don't want them in the program completely understand with that but these were your guys that you had recruited so you cannot use that as an excuse. So Tracy Smith better have an absolute workforce coming in next year to fill these holes that we have now because look you're one of your best hitters hunter bishop is now in the major leagues alec marsh you're one of your aces in the major leagues now you've got holes to fill especially in that pitching staff what's going to change from this year to next year it's got to be something you know you you do keep a, a good amount of guys but you did lose two of your best players right there how do you bounce back you know it cannot be this level you cannot call this season a success losing in a regional the way you did you know it was a great start but again you didn't play anybody if you don't play anybody it can't you can't call it a good start you know it's it's like football playing three division 3 teams in your non-conference schedule yeah you're 3 and 0 looks pretty good doesn't mean you're good once you get the Pac-12 play you never know what's going to happen because You didn't compete against anybody in your non-conference schedule, so this is. I think it's people are going to gravitate to that record. You know, it's 38-19 sounds pretty good, but when you play nobody, yeah, your record better be good. So you can't call that. I don't call this season a success. Not for this program. I hope the guys higher up in in the baseball program don't see this as a success because it does need to get better. You know, this this program deserves better. Our history deserves better than this. So thank you for listening through that rant of mine. I do apologize. I did get a little preachy there, but let's go ahead. Let's- All right, guys, thank you so much again for listening through this entire episode. This was a bigger episode, uh, jam packed with a, a lot of stuff here. So thank you for taking the time to listen. You know, if you haven't already, please follow us on Twitter and Instagram. That's where you're going to find most of our uh, kind of information about new episodes coming out, so you can stay up up to date with everything. And of course, please subscribe on your favorite uh, podcast. Listening platform. You know, we are on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Radio Public, and a bunch of others. So please uh, go follow us on your favorite one there. Caleb, as always, it has been an absolute pleasure here talking more ASU stuff with you. And, you know, I can't believe it, but, you know, football's right around the door. And, you know, we, we got some stuff to talk about here in a little bit. So, guys, please make sure that. You keep listening here because we got some exciting stuff coming out for this cu- upcoming athletic year. And I know I'm excited. Caleb's excited. So, yeah, so keep sticking around. It's, it's going to be a good ride here. But other than that, Caleb, that's all I got for you. Um, thanks again, for man. Sure. This has been fun. There's great stuff
1: going on uh, at Arizona State. And uh, you guys don't want to miss out on it. So, like Avery was saying, make sure to subscribe and follow us on everything, basically. Uh, but, yeah. Thanks for tuning in guys forks up
0: AGR you